Hello everybody and welcome to the very first episode of The Soldier's Game, a podcast where we delve into the unique stories and secrets of army football. My name's Dan and joining me today are two people that know everything there is to know about football in the forces. I'm joined by CEO Graham Brooklyn and Assistant Secretary Major Steve Clout. Gents, thank you for joining me today. Very exciting times here. Uh, a pleasure, Dan. Look forward to talking about army football and hopefully um, enabling people the opportunity to find out a little bit more about what we do in, in forces football. And uh, there's a it's, a it's a very busy environment and uh, the soldiers game is the most popular game in terms of sporting in the army. So we're, uh, we're, we're very proud of that fact. And uh, it's all about what we we're always proud of what we of our history and our heritage mm. and that we're also looking forward to, to what we can achieve in the future too well you talk about history and heritage there and for clarity for the listeners here i am not a connoisseur of the army i'm not a connoisseur of the forces but i'm a massive football fan i'm a bristol city fan uh, so shout out the robins uh i think what we really like to do here is kind of delve into army football at kind of an amateur level to get the listeners into what you guys do because truth be told I didn't know much about you guys before we met so I think to start off a simple question what is the Army FA? Okay so, so the Army Football Association is an organisation that was formed long long time ago 1888 mm-hmm. and it was formed out of the realms of uh, the Football Association and some very senior people within the Football Association, as you could probably imagine at that time, was very, very military linked. And so the Army Football Association was formed in, in 1888 with the primary aim in the in infancy to um, formulate a, an Army Challenge Cup. Uh, that Army Challenge Cup was first competed for in 1889 and it's our proudest competition. It's still being uh, competed for now. We have about 100 teams enter that competition every season. And uh, the final is always played on the Aldershot Military Stadium. But it's always it's evolved from there. So our, our Army Football Association primarily is to ensure that we facilitate football for our soldiers. And we have a, a, a wide range of soldiers who participate in, in football in one form or another, either playing, either refereeing, uh, coaching, administering and we have about 10,000 soldiers. Uh, and when you consider that the population of the British Army has been reduced over a period of time, that's a significant number. Um, and it's our duty to make sure that we we facilitate every, every soldier's ambition to be involved in the game, because it's a soldier's game, and we have to give them that opportunity. And as we go through this, we'll talk about different areas of, of our game. Steve will also talk about the refereeing side of, of things, which is very crucial to, to what we do. But first and foremost, it started in 1888, as I say, we are one of 50 county football associations in the country. We are linked in with the football association. We um, re- are representative on the football association as well as as the role that we have within the county. And we are also set targets by the football association that we have to reach. And that's relevant to funding that we receive as mm-hmm. well. So we, we have that side of it, but we're also governed through Army Sport, which used to be called the Army Sports Control Board. It is now the the Army Sports. It's changed its um, name uh, late last year. And what Army Sport, which is based in Aldershot, the headquarters in Aldershot, it facilitates, I think it's 44 sports throughout uh, the, the country, recognised sports. And all of that is administered here, here in Aldershot. And our offices are actually opposite the Aldershot Military Stadium, which is, uh, as I said earlier, the, the, the home of army football and uh, of, uh, a venue that we're, we're extremely proud of. So you talk there about 
obviously your involvement with the FA and for a lot of people they might just think the FA and not realize that there's actually various county FAs within yeah. the FA now every county every region across the country has a county FA and obviously the army has one as well it works a little bit different so how do your interact how do your interactions work with the FA as a whole and how does that how does army sport fit into that as well how do you fit into this bigger picture of the FA Yes, good question. Now, the the, the 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 FA is a very important part of of, of what we um, what we set out to do because we're, we're set out. So, if you if you and I could give you an example, really, in my previous role, I used to be a secretary civilian football, and when we were contacted by our county FA, I would think, oh, we've got a problem. We've done something wrong. Some, you know, we've got a fine coming up somewhere. County FAs aren't like that now. County FAs facilitate. Um, county FAs have grown really from the early 2000s through funding provided by the Football Association, of which we're, we're part of that. So we're a smaller county, obviously, to counties such as Hampshire, uh, uh, Middlesex, London FA, Birmingham FA, Manchester, huge counties. But we are there, and we are also different different in a way as well, I, I ought to explain, because of the geographical area, because we're talking about counties that are geographically contained. We're not, because we facilitate football throughout the, not just throughout England, throughout the United Kingdom and abroad as well, of course, because there is football the activity that goes on abroad. Um, but that, that it goes through um, the Football Association, facilitate coaching development, they facilitate referees courses, we have to comply with the amount of numbers of players that we have. So we have to ensure that we set targets each year. And that's relevant to funding that we get from the Football Association. And we're just going into a new strategy 2024 to 2028. And it's all indicative of we will get funding dependent on how many players we have, how many teams, how many accredited football clubs we have. And Steve will explain a bit about accredited clubs later on, how many referees that we have. So it's all a bigger part of a, bit, a big jigsaw, really, that we have to put together. And if we can get that jigsaw nice and tidy and all complete, then we benefit because it means our relationship with the Football Association is spot on. And that's what I want it to be. It needs to be spot on. And we we work closely with the Football Association. We have a regional manager that we, we report to every quarter. And uh, we have to make sure that we are doing everything that we are required to do and more to make sure that we we can keep a, a good relationship with uh, with our governing body. And you talked there, Graham, about kind of the global scale of the game. Whilst you guys do operate primarily in the UK, there is a global essence to this where games are played abroad. Now, tell me a little bit more about that. Because I know at the latter end of last year, there was actually a game taking place. Was it in Australia? I believe that you guys had a game going on. So tell me a little bit about, about the global impact that you guys make. Yeah, so um, we've got that when you were here earlier, we had three of our representative teams, the men, the women's and the masters, were down in Australia playing uh, an overseas visit. They were playing the uh, the their counterparts in Australia, um, so they, were, they each had three matches out, out there. So it was a that was a big event for them. Um, we've got a number of teams in Cyprus. I think it's about seven teams in Cyprus that play in the league there. Going going back, we used to have a lot of teams in Germany, but, but you know over in the last few years those they, those um, camps have closed down, so not so much going on in Germany. Although we do have a few out there so that it's more of a wider breach but you're you're right the majority of the teams are in in the uk uh, and then uh, and in in england and steve how are these clubs and how are these teams divided up across the country is it in terms of the regiments or the battalions or the corps how does it work as the teams yeah so um we've got three levels i would say of, of football going on we've got unit football 
Um, we've got regular and reserve. So even the reserve component, um, there's about 30 or 40 reserve units that have football teams. Um, in total, we have over 272 clubs in the wow. army. Okay. We oversee in the, in the army. Mm -hmm. So you've got unit clubs so that then each unit will, above it, will have a core. So we have four football as well. Um, so that would be all the Royal Signal players, all the best Royal Signals players, the infantry players, the Royal Engineers. They have a competition, both a, a league and a cup. And that's both men and women play core football. And then we have representative teams. We currently have nine representative teams, um, men, women, masters, army reserve, men, army reserve, um, women and army reserve masters. We've got a team called the Crusaders. Um, and have I got to nine yet? I'm there. <laughs> so we've got a number of representative teams. Oh, yes, that's right. We've got an under-23s team and a women's development team. So lots of representative football. So we've got a real pyramid of football. Um, and, and Graham said earlier, we've got around 10,000 registered players, about 1,000 um, female and 9,000 male players that we administer. Um, and on top of that, we've got our referees as well. But we'll come on to that in a bit. Well, it's important to remember as well, you said about the 10,000 there, that this doesn't exist within a bubble. Army football doesn't exist within a bubble. You mentioned to me before about refereeing and their involvement in EFL football and National League football, for example. Even the FA Cup, I believe you mentioned to me before. Yeah. Players as well have sometimes come from academy football in the EFL and they've gone into army football. So it's a lot more intertwined and a lot more involved than I think a lot of people realise. It was quite surprising for me when I first heard about you guys and how intertwined army football and, say, EFL football and club football are actually involved with each other. Dan, you're right. Most of the army football is takes place on Wednesday afternoon and a Friday morning, the majority of army football. So a lot of those players, when they go home at weekends, they're playing for their local sides, their local teams on a Saturday and a Sunday. And the referees as well. So we've got 270 referees. Um, uh, about 50 of those are trainees. Um, and that will probably get to about 300 by the end of the season. We've got, wow. one, more, we've got one more course going on uh, next month. So we're, we're, we're the best part of 300 referees. Um, and they're at every level. Um, we don't have anyone in the premiership now, but we did. And I think one of our podcasts in the future will be about of course. specifically referees and we'll we'll be asking Andy to come in and talk to us about his experience there. Um, but we've got three on the Football League uh, and many on the National League and all the way down um, referee and everything from uh, youth football uh, and Sunday football. And as referee secretary, because I know that is your role within the Army FA, how, how does the process go from becoming a referee? What is the coaching what is the training that goes into becoming an army referee or referee in general um we are the same as every other of the other 49 counties i mean we recruit referees from our base which is serving personnel so just to, to make it clear that a lot of these referees are refereeing in lots of counties but if you're a member of the services you have to be registered with your service so if you're in the army raf or navy you have to be registered with those fa's so our 270 would have started either on one of our courses. Um, so we uh, have a number, we, we run about four or five courses a year. Uh, or if a course isn't suitable to them or they join the army already qualified, then they will transfer into the army FA. So the course, the course for us lasts four days. Um, there's pre-work to do around the laws of the game. 
they'll do the four day course. Two of those will be really getting out on the ground straight away because um, I, I was I think I was telling you or um, that when I did my course originally, um, the first time I blew a whistle was when I was on a football pitch for my first match. And, wow. and, and they've That's learned crazy. Me, okay. they, it is. And they've learned now that all of those experiences you need to have before you first game. And then, so they, they'll do their training and then we, we try and always line it up with one of our six-a-side competitions. So as well as left-side football we've been talking about, we run regional six-a-side competitions and national six-a-side competitions. So those, we've got North, Middle and South and the National, and we try to um, align our referees' courses with those. So they have two days of refereeing, small-sided games with their coach to get straight out there and, and do it straight Let's away. get that experience Get exactly. that experience. Yeah. Graham, talk to me about, obviously spoken about refereeing there, talk to me about coaching. So again, coaching, talent pathways and kind of the development and management. Talk to me about that within the Army FA. Yeah, I, I, I'll just go back a little bit about the refereeing first. Okay, uh, okay. And the reason being, <laughs> Steve touched on a guy called Andy Halliday and, and we'll ask Andy to come in. He'll be one of the guys that we come in to talk. But I just want to get across the message that army football, people that are involved in army football are extremely proud um, of representing the army. And Andy is a fantastic ambassador in that respect. And I'll give you, an, uh, I'll give you an, a reason why, or a good example of, 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 of why. Andy's still our chief instructor. He's um, been involved in army football, I would think, probably 30 years now, I would think, from uh, being one of those players who didn't quite make it, wasn't, wasn't um, going to be able to play decent army football on a regular basis, went down the refereeing route, got all the way through from starting um, doing his course with the army, going through grassroots football, getting up through into what we class as step one, step two, which is the National League and the Isthmian Southern and Northern Premier Leagues, into the Football League, and then eventually reaching the uh, the, the Premier League. Andy completed 338 matches as a Premier League assistant referee. Um, he also did the 2016 FA Cup final, Manchester United versus Crystal Palace. He followed that up in his final season by doing the Carabao Cup final, Manchester City Wow. Okay. Chelsea. But the best example I can give you, which I think is really important, is three days after he did the FA Cup final, he mentored a group of soldiers on Queen's Avenue in Aldershot when we had our Army Sixes. He officiated, he refereed the Army Sixes final on Queen's Avenue. And we've got a photograph with Andy with, in one hand, his FA Cup medal, and in the other hand, his Army Sixes medal. And if you speak to Andy, which you will do, he'll tell you that that Army Sixes medal means everything because without the Army, Andy doesn't get to do the Premier League yeah. for 38 games, doesn't get to do the FA Cup final, the League Cup final. And it's a really good example of what the Army footballers offered provided the opportunity and everyone can offer opportunities it's how you grasp those opportunities Andy grasped it and went further and further and further to achieve what he achieved in the game he did that through his own hard work but the platform was set by the army football association and I think that's really important to emphasize and my question from that Graham would actually be for a lot of people like me that don't that are fairly new to the army football world is that how do individuals like Andy who are clearly very busy serving and also doing this refereeing how have they managed the time to do all of this because it's clearly very time consuming so how does it work when they're serving but also doing the refereeing and also doing this training how does it all work in terms of I guess the everyday life of a soldier yeah so so I guess the army is very supportive of of sportsmen 
uh, and sports women across the piece. We've got um, Olympians in the army, uh, at boxing, for instance, uh, different sports. Cycling is big in the army. Rugby clearly is big. I think we've got some Premier League uh, rugby players. So across the piece, the army is a fantastic place to be if you like sport. Um, obviously, there's the army job to do as well, um, and and it's balancing those things. But actually, when you're in the army, your job is to be fit. You're not getting Wednesday afternoon uh, and Friday mornings off. You're going and you're doing sport so that you're better at doing what you do in your day job, which is being a soldier. So um, it, it's different than being. So I've been lucky enough to be on both sides, really, because as a reservist, I've worked for civil, I've worked civilian companies, but also I, I've seen the army element of it. As in my civilian company, if I want to go to the gym in the morning, I have to get to work early, do my go to the gym, and then so I can clock on at eight or eight thirty to do my job. Yeah. In the army, your job is to go to the gym, is to be fit. So it's part of it, and and I think. Um, the army also recognises the involvement it should have in community. And that's why you will see referees refereeing at every level on a Saturday, uh, giving back to the community and getting involved in, in those type of events. So you talked there about the community and I did mention it earlier. Talk to me about coaching, coaching talent pathways and management. How does this work within the army FA? Yeah. So um, all the counties are going through a real um, cha cha challenge and change at the moment, I think, because uh, coaching has changed in the last five, 10 years. And it's gone from all the counties managing their own coaching staff and delivering coaching directly to coaches to really being centralised, uh, a lot of it going online. So I think there's over the next few years, I think we'll see some changes in that. But we've got we've got an active um uh, set of coaches and they are supported by the army uh, a lot of their coaching fees can be uh, claimed back through the army system so you know we are looking at developing coaches by developing coaches and getting more coaches then that in effect um, improves the amount of football and the amount of football that's being played um, we're quite fortunate because we've got recently um, had a relationship with the league managers association um, and they are supporting uh, our coaches to the point where they're planning to help us and support us with a coaching development day. And they'll okay. send the League Managers Association members. And in fact, Matt Gray recently um, supported Matt Gray, uh, ex-Sutton United manager. Um, he recently came and did a, a great training session with our under-23s during their inter-services competition. Um, and yeah, we've got a great relationship with the um, LMA and that will help our coaching uh, coaches as well. I'd like to talk a little bit about you guys now. Um, obviously, been involved with the Army FA for a number of years. Now, talk to me about your passion for football, because I know, Graham, you were heavily involved. In fact, co-founded Aldershot Town in 1992, I believe. So talk to me a little bit about football and your passion for the sport. Yeah, I mean, football is, uh, is obviously a huge part of my life. I've worked in football for the majority of my, my working life. Uh, yes, to explain... A bit about my background before I came to the Army Football Association. Aldershot was my club from a seven-year-old. Um, when I went to, uh, I was taken there. It's a, the local club to here. I was taken there. My brother and my dad used to go. Then I said I wanted to have a, have a little bit of that. So my first game was in 1974. A 6-0 win always helps if your team wins 6-0. <laughs> go and watch them. So I thought I'd a bit of that. 
Uh, don't win too many times six nil, but uh, <laughs> but no, that was good. And and Aldershot was a really good team in the in the seventies. There were some household names that uh, people still talk about to these days. Some really good strong seasons, and so I, I got involved with Aldershot. Then I started going to away matches, and then um, I got involved with the supporters club, and very passionate about it. Um, I'm very vocal, I have to say. You know, if 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 I, if I didn't think things were as they should be, I would always raise my um my um uh, grievances. I think it's fair to say <laughs> a lot of political stuff that went on with Aldershot in the in the late 80s and and um, early 90s. And then sadly, in 1992, Aldershot Football Club folded. It was liquidated. First football club to be um, whose season was expunged um, midway through or, or with 10 games left um, for, in the football league and. Wow. At that time, I, I'd been made redundant. I worked for an insurance brokers in, in, in the city, in London. I'd just been made redundant. I was helping out at Aldershot on a voluntary basis because I was the chair of the supporters club. Um, quite a young chair, I have to say. I think I was 24, 25 at the time. And um, so it just, we, we you know, as a, as a chair of the supporters club, uh, we, there's a guy called Terry Owens who... Um, is known as as the other co-founder Terry was the driver in terms of doing all the work behind the scenes to see what options there were if if Aldershot Football Club folded. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, I, I when Terry approached me, I said, "I'm not really interested, Terry, because we want to save this club." But when we realised that the, the, the club was unsavable and it was liquidated, Terry contacted me again. He said, "Would you be interested now?" And I said, "Absolutely." The next night, we met in the Crimea pub in Aldershot, opposite the football ground, and we spoke about. Um, uh, forming a new football club um, that was in the March we held a public meeting at the Royal Office Royal Aldershot Officers Club on the Farnborough Road we had six people t- 600 people turn up to the meeting we thought to ourselves we're onto something here the club was formed uh, so Terry was shareholder number one I'm shareholder num- I was shareholder number two that formed the club um, but I have to say without the team that I was very proud to, to to lead, the supporters club, none of it happens. The fantastic people, many still go stand on the terraces like I do these days. They know what they did in 1992. Fantastic, fabulous people, and they drove it. I'm very fortunate that I was the the, the head of that in in a way as, as the chair. Mm. But along with those and obviously Terry driving it, we um we were for, fortunate to to form a football club and. Our first ever gate, uh, we, we we had to start again in the Eastman League Division 3. That was five levels below the Football League. So that's a big culture shock for football fans that have used to 60 years of Aldershot being in the Football League. So it was yeah. starting again. Um, and we were playing at grounds where there was averaging 15, 20 people, some of the teams. And when we went there, there would be a 1,000 Aldershot fans turning up at these games. And our first home gate was 1,493. Wow. And But I say that because that was actually our lowest gate of the season. Really? And by, we had one game that season where we had just under 6,000 for a Hampshire Senior Cup tie against Farnborough Town. And it was deemed then that we couldn't operate this on a part-time basis. So I became the full-time company secretary. Um, and I spent 21 years involved in, in different capacities at Aldershot. Um, including 10 as as a company secretary, uh, which were fantastic days. Um, And I wouldn't swap them for anything. But these days, I'm just a fan on the terraces. We have a wonderful link with Aldershot Town. I have to say, we have a partnership that is very, very special. And we both, both sides work at it very, very intrinsically to make sure that we get the best for both parties. Um, And we have... Yeah, we 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 were at their vets hub um, last uh, late last year doing a presentation about army football. 
We play our stage our key men and women's into service matches at Aldershot Town. We're a big part of the Remembrance Day uh, that Aldershot do um, in November, and I have to say they do it extremely well. We have a lot of link-ups with the football club, and it's something we're very proud of, and we just don't take for granted. We we make sure that we work, and there's new other things that we're doing with them at the moment that um, will come to fruition. And I think it's really important because you know Aldershot is a traditional home of the British Army. Army football is based in Aldershot. Aldershot Town are a senior you know, team. Well, it the, makes sense. It makes sense that there's a lot of overlap between the two, doesn't it? It, it does. It, it absolutely does. But that said as well, what, we're, what we want to be doing and what we're trying to do now is extend our relationships throughout the country with other clubs, especially in, in garrison towns, because I think that's important to do that. But the, the, the Aldershot example is a very good one that hopefully we can replicate throughout. But it will always be a strong link. Certainly while I'm doing this role, we'll make sure it's a... It's a strong link because it's it, it, it's very very important. But uh, yeah, very very proud of of the background there. I got involved in army football by chance in two thousand and seven. I, I was looking around. I, 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 you know, sometimes you know when it's time to move on from where where you are and and, and have a fresh challenge. And funny enough, I talk about the guy Terry Owens. It was Terry Owens who, who contacted me and. Um, he knew a, a, a lady called Carol Williamson, who I ended up working with for, for, for many years in the Army Football Association office. And Carol had said to Terry that um, there, were, there was a vacancy in Army football. Um, did, did, did he know anybody who'd be interested? And he contacted me. And I thought to myself, a bit of a waste of time because they're not going to take on a civilian. Um, but I applied for it. Um, never been in the Army, never been involved in the Army, but very, very conscious and very aware of the fantastic role that the army plays in our local area and always has done. So I put my CV in, went on holidays. It was before email, your sort of regular contact and that kind of thing, and which shows you how old it is. And um, then I went on holiday, came back, and there was a letter through the door saying, you've got an interview. And I went for the interview and I was interviewed by three, three people, a, a major general, um, Elliot, who was the head of army sport control board at the time. Um, a guy called uh, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Rock, who was the chair of the referees, and uh, Major Billy Thompson, who was the secretary of Army football and um, eventually became my boss because I, I went for the interview. And, and I'll, I'll give you a very good example. Uh, you know, it's the British Army. Uh, Major Elliot asked me a question. How would I feel? How do I feel about working with soldiers who are trained to kill? And OK, said, interesting uh, question. OK. Uh, Wow. Normally it's like, where do you see yourself in five years? But okay. <laughs> so, you know, what a question. I haven't got a clue how I answered it, but I must have answered it right because I got the job. <laughs> Good. Good. Well, I think I think it shows there, Graham, is that both with Eldershot Town and what you do now, there's a clear passion here for football in the community and the way it brings yeah. people together. Yeah. Steve, I want to talk to you a little bit about your background because I know you served with the Territorial Army. Was it in the 1980s? Yeah, so I joined in 1986 the Territorial Army, which is now called the Army Reserve. I'm I'm okay. still a member of the Army Reserve. I've got a role in sport as it goes. Um, my 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 uh, roles within Army football, um, probably 15, 16, 17 years ago, I was uh, running my unit Army Reserve unit team. Um, the cup that was being run regularly stopped. I got involved in that and started running that. And then I, for the last 13 years, I've been 13, 12 or 13 years, I've been running football in the Army Reserve. So running the cup competition, uh, six-a-side competition. Uh, we've a representative team, um, both men and women's. 
Um, and I had a really good working relationship with the office here, the, the main Army FA office. Um, and then about two years ago, uh, the role, the opportunity came up um, to become the referee secretary and the assistant secretary. And I took it and was lucky enough to get the job. And that's why I'm here now. And the rest is history. Well, tell tell me a little bit about kind of your day-to-day role. You say running cups and running tournaments and running yeah. clubs. How 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 does this impact your day-to-day role? What what is it you do? So so if we now look at the Army FA and what happens in here. So um we've got uh five permanent staff. Um two are part-time, but ultimately we've got five five people who work full-time at the Army FA. Um and they have role my role predominantly is looking after the referees, so doing all the promotions, making sure that the the committee, referees committee, is supported. So if it wants to book book um, events uh, or it needs any advice, um, when it comes to the representative teams, we support the refer- representative teams. So the team here will all work together to put on the inter services. So we'll be working with Aldershot Town to put on the inter services for them. Uh, uh, for sorry, with them for our men's and women's teams that are playing, um, we uh, and also our masters are playing next month at, at Alton FC. And what for the listeners? What is the masters? So the masters is over um, thirty-five. Um, it might call it vets in other in in civvy football, but because a veteran is seen as someone who's left the army, we call it masters to d- differentiate it with someone who's serving and not serving i see okay so we've 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 come up with that term to make it clearer of what, what they are they're serving over 35 players okay um and then we had the under 23 so so we and we put on the cup final so all of that is is managed and run by the office um we've got the 10,000 referee uh, sorry 10,000 players to make sure they're uh, registered and the teams are affiliated and we're currently pushing to make sure we've all our teams as many as our teams as possible are accredited so they've got one star accreditation which means they've got the basic uh controls and 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 I- items in place to run their club professionally they've got a first aider identified they've got uh the um a a bank account they've got everything they need to run the club and and an idea of what they're where they're taking the club for the next few years so one star accreditation is is really important to us so we're supporting them doing that so there's there's um there's lots going on we run the social media um on the different platforms to to inform people what's going on obviously i support the referees when they're booking uh the referee courses and uh and 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 we take lots of questions and lots of uh um information requests from different and you talked there about accreditation and obviously plenty of teams. How many teams do you have accredited currently? So we um, we've 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 got about seventy accredited so far. We hope to get to a hundred. Yeah, but uh, in the next couple of weeks. So I was going to ask how many teams are operating that aren't accredited because I think that's quite interesting. Well, we've got two hundred and seventy-two clubs in total. Wow, okay. Um, now some of those will be semi-dormant because. Um, a lot of our soldiers are um, are abroad at the moment, of course. so that impacts their ability to play football in, in the UK. So some of the clubs are uh, a little bit dormant, um, and and also, um, but many are very well run. They just haven't taken that step to manage their accreditation. So it doesn't stop them playing football. They're affiliated. They're running their team uh, very professionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, 
but it's just that next step. It's that accreditation. Exactly. So we're pushing that and we'll push it again next year as well. And, I, you know, I think our aim would be to have every single club accredited um, okay. next few years. Good. Graham, talk to me a little bit about your role as CEO. What is your day to day looking like, particularly at the moment? Well, I, I'm very keen to, you know, part of what we're doing here is to widen the message of what the Army Football Association does, because I don't think... Uh, you, you sometimes when you're internal, you take things for granted. You think people understand what you do. And you've already alluded to the fact that when we yeah. spoke to you previously, you were quite surprised and think, wow, that's of course. Quite... And I, I've had that similar conversation with a lot of people over the, over the last year or so. So it brings to mind, you think to yourself, well, we've got to do something to, to change that, to make people aware of what they're doing. And that's not just externally. That's actually also aimed internally within the army because there's a lot of soldiers who, and it's not just a football thing, it's just a communication thing. And, and we, we, we live in a day and age now where different ages deal with different kinds of communication. So a, a younger soldier would deal with a totally different kind of social media outlet than, than an officer would or a senior soldier. Yeah. So it's up to us to make sure that we sort of break down those barriers to make sure mm -hmm. that we let people know. So what else do we do? It, 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 facilitating football is, is the key thing. So for, for me, you know, as, as again, I, I allude to it quite often, but I'm very keen to make sure that people understand that our responsibility is to make sure that any soldier that wants to have the opportunity to be involved in football, whether they're playing, refereeing, administering, volunteering, coaching, we facilitate, we support them as much as we possibly can to give them that opportunity to do so. And I think it's really important that we do that. A big part of my role is, is through the Football Association role that we do as well. And when I talk about that, it's we have at the moment, and these are the things that people on the outside aren't really too interested in listening to, but actually on the inside, they're very important that you um, make sure that you do it correctly because if you don't do it correctly then you will suffer further down the line and that's things like what's called a code of governance so the football association as part of the contract we have a big um uh, a big area of requirements that we have to complete by the 1st of july 2025 if we don't complete that we lose 50 percent of our funding so that to me says, right, well, that's the most important thing that we have to concentrate on at the moment. And when you're talking about that's all about governance in your game. So it's governance. It's all to do with making sure you've got your safeguarding right, making sure that you run your board of trustees. Because we have a board of trustees where we have a capacity available of 12. At the moment, we're, we're, we're lower on numbers. We've got to um, increase that as time goes on. We have a, 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 a board of trustees that we have to make sure understand the fundamental reasons of why they're a trustee and what they have to do, what they have to bring to the party as such to make sure that we can operate fluently. We have to ensure that we have our equality, diversity and inclusion policy. And we're working on that at the moment. And we've got external help to make sure that we can come up to what we make sure that we um, can complete what we're required to do to get to the next standard, which is called the preliminary standard. But I would emphasize as well, I, I don't sit in this chair just to tick a box and then, oh, we've completed that. That's great. And if we're going to do yeah. something, we'll do it properly. So of we course. have to do it properly. And once we've done it, I want to make sure that we can get it to the next level or at least make sure we keep the standard that we have to maintain um, in, in certain areas. So the relationship with the Football Association is really key. We talked about it earlier on. Uh, and we sit down every three months with our regional manager and we have to make sure that we are heading in the right 
area because at the start of each season, we have what's classed as a smart sheet and it's our operational plan for the whole season in every aspect of army football from participation through to our social media, through to the well-being of our staff, through to a conglomerate of all kinds of things. And we have to make sure that every one of those boxes that we have that we're adhering to and we make sure because our regional manager will challenge us if we're if we're not and rightly so yeah. so we have to make sure that we are we're facilitating that in the right way and when we need support externally that we we call on the support and what the football association association has and you, you, i sometimes feel i actually feel sorry for some of the football association staff because football association staff are really they will be put in 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 the spotlight if the England team isn't doing well, or if there's a problem at the top level of the game, if, if you know, the referee in the problems with VAR or whatever it is, yeah. football association will always be in the microscope. Of course. You haven't done this right. You haven't done that right. But actually the, the staff on the ground who do all of this stuff behind the scenes in so many different areas, they do it really, really well. But it's never going to change. The perception's never going to change because, you know, the, the general public aren't really interested in that. They're interested in their teams that are, bad decision on a Saturday or England have gone and lost in a big cup competition. They've been exit an early round. And it's almost like a domino effect all the way through the FA. Absolutely. But there's an awful lot of good work that goes on with the Football Association. And you know, whenever we need a little bit of help, support, advice, guidance, there's always somebody there who can give it to us. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's really, and, and I'm a big one for building relationships and making sure that we can strengthen those relationships. So as you all know already, uh, uh, talking earlier on, I'm very conscious of our role within the community. So we've already joined with a number of organisations in the local community here, again, to widen the awareness, because a lot of the staff are based in the Aldershot, the Rushmore, the Surrey Heath area. So it's very important that that people are aware of what we do, because it's, it's it, it, the, the primary... Um, the primary of our key competitions are always based in Aldershot. So mm-hmm. it's a big part of that. And I think I would just need to well, just touch on the inter-services because the inter-services, I need to explain this from the outside looking in because the general public who have had no involvement with army football would know that the army played the Navy and the army played the RAF. Let me tell you now, from the inside looking out, they the army could go and lose every game of the season 6-0. Yeah. But as long as they win their matches in the inter-services, no one cares. because This is like El Clasico of the Absolutely. forces. They have to beat the Navy and the, and the RAF. And oh, who, normally, who normally wins? Uh, ooh, there's a good question. We, yeah, we, I, we, I don't we, think that, that... We're we, not going to answer yeah, that. We, we, my, <laughs> I my, think there's your answer. <laughs> what, what we did do last year, we had the inaugural Masters tournament. It's the first time the Army Masters have played for... And quite nicely as well, the trophy was called the um, the Major Billy Thompson Trophy. Billy was the the guy that got you know when I uh, he was on the interview. Of course, I worked closely with Billy for fifteen years because he was a secretary, I was his assistant. He retired in twenty twenty two, so I was fortunate to take his role there. Very good friend of mine and a, a, a fantastic mentor for me. And the competition was named the uh, Major Billy Thompson Trophy. And it's the only one we currently have that we've won. Wow. So we've got a bit of work with the other yeah. areas, but we're, let, let's hope we can uh, we can change that sooner rather than later. But it goes in cycles because before COVID, actually, we were probably the stronger. But since COVID, it's been, it, it, you know, it, it goes in little cycles of um, who, 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 who yeah. 
come the RF could go two or three years, the Navy could go, and then the Army will go. It's, it's peaks and troughs, you know. But one thing it is, it's always very, very close. It's extremely competitive, and you don't leave a, a, an inter-service match disappointed with a commitment and that because I can tell you it is, it's fierce, and it's, <laughs> it's brilliant. And and sometimes you you go back in time because there's a real wholehearted challenges, but it's all played in the right spirit as well. Yeah, and it, it's really good. It's that community feel. It is, it is, and um. It's a big part of, you know, it's, it, I have to explain, it, the inter-service is a big part of military football, but in terms of the whole thing, that we have to look at everything equally in terms of what we do, because the inter-service is, is very important, but so is unit football, and so is core football, so is refereeing, so is development, so is initiating new, getting new initiatives to get things It's going. having this holistic approach it's to the entire game. the right balance that we have to do, and we're, you know, we're still working on that, but we'll, we'll get there. Well, gents, I think we'll kind of round off this podcast. We'll look ahead to the, the podcast series coming up. Now, why have the Army FA now decided to do a podcast is my first question. So I think Graham mentioned it earlier. Um, we really want to give people outside, whether they're in the Army or uh, not in the Army, uh, the opportunity to find out what the Army FA do and, and, and why the Army FA is one of the 50 counties in the football association and how it's different from those other counties. So I think um, Graham and I have looked at maybe a list for the next uh, six months uh, of podcasts. Um, and Graham, we, we had a little list there, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah. So yeah, we... give the listeners a little bit of a preview yeah, for what's sure. to come. So there's a number of things that we're doing. I, I want people to be aware of, I think, our heritage and our history. For, for one so we, we've got a project going on at the moment called football and war it's a mm -hmm. we've got a project manager a guy called Alex Alexandru who and Alex has been brilliant and he's opened up some big doors for us that he that we are are now progressing and we we've done a lot of stuff with the National Army Museum we've got now formed a partnership with the National Army Museum where the National Army Museum in, in London have all our heritage all our old we have all our old um, documentation, all our old minute books going back to 1888, the originals, wow. all the original okay. programs from uh, 1905 onwards. Mm -hmm. That was the first time an Army Football Association Cup final program was produced, all the way through to the present day. I'm sure you could imagine the national history, uh, the national service era, where so much history. Sir Bobby Cholton, we've just done a, a lot of stuff around, around Sir Bobby Cholton, who unfortunately passed away late last year. But Sir Bobby Charlton was hugely involved with the Army Football Association because he did his national service in the Army. And we had between 2014 and 2018 the um, uh, anniversaries of the Games of Remembrance. So to give a little example, because we'll, we'll cover it in depth in, in, in future editions. In 2014, we had the 100 years of the Christmas truce. Of course. Um, so we played that at Aldershot Town Football Club. Uh, there was two and a half thousand people at the game. It was against the German Bundeswehr who came over. And it was a very poignant um, occasion. Two and a half. What, what is the Bundeswehr? Is that the the German Army's equivalent? Absolutely. The German Bundeswehr is actually the United Services of the Germans, so the Air Force okay. and the um, and the Army. So um, they came over in 2014, and Sir Bobby Charlton was our our guest VIP, and he was absolutely fantastic on the evening. Uh, and then two years later, we did uh, two games against the Bundeswehr again because they came over. We had a women's game at St George's Park, followed by the men's game in the evening at um, Burton Albion Football Club. 
So Bobby again was our guest of honour, uh, and that was great. And then in 2018, we we went to Nottingham. So we had a women's game at Notts County Football Club in the afternoon. There were six and a half thousand, mainly children, because it was a theme of a project, um, which was really, really good. And there were children busting from all over the East Midlands, from the north and that, all for, for that. And, and then in the evening, we had the men's game at Nottingham Forest. Um, and again, there were six and a half thousand there. So 13,000 people all together for the thing. And that, uh, though, that event there raised 50,000 pounds for charities, um, military charities, charities in the Nottingham area. Um, and it was, and, and that's all part of our football and war, which Alex will, will get Alex on to make sure he can explain it in further detail. It's a really, really good project and something that we're going to continue. I'm committed to make sure that we continue that. And we're now in the midst of, of um, negotiations and, and um, putting packages together for um, applications to the National Lottery and there's all kinds of things that we're doing in the background for that. And aside from football and war, what other kind of stuff will we be focusing on in the podcast in the months coming forward? Yeah, one thing we talked about is the refereeing. Uh, I, 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 I want people to know, and Steve wants people to know exactly that the refereeing and the, the good work that, you know, as, as Steve said earlier on, we got referees from grassroots through to the Football League. Uh, and there's some really good stories um, on, on the refereeing side. And representative football is another one as well. And um, I'll just give you a little example about representative football. That's the inter-services. That's been going since the, the, the inter-services has been going since 1905 when the army played the Royal Navy for the first time in the competition. And, and then the RAF got involved in, in, in 1920, 21, I think it was. And so that is a long-standing competition and it's developed as time's gone on because that was a men's competition. And then a women's competition um, was formed in the um, late 1990s, early 2000s, then an under 23 development and then the master's competition. And just give you an example, one guy, a guy called Joe Collins, who is a legendary figure in army football. And Joe, we've just named a trophy after him. It's the under 23 army, the Navy. Mm -hmm. And what a fitting tribute for somebody like Joe, who's got an abundance of, things that he could talk about his experience in army football he went to play play for the army youth the army and the uk armed forces which is the best of the army navy and royal air force so he came all, all the way up through the pathway yeah all in one season and he's in, been involved in army football for over 30 years wow he's still involved now he was the coach of the masters team last year that won that trophy i was talking to you about earlier on but added to that, we talked about what Steve was talking about, reserve football, the uh, the old territorial army football. And Joe coached his team four lengths to the reserve cup final. And they won that last season as well. So what a what a person there who's got a massive Absolutely. amount of information. So we'll get Joe on, although he doesn't know it yet because we haven't spoken to him. <laughs> <laughs> He'll know soon. He'll know soon. <laughs> and there's other things as well. We've got our Army Challenge Cup, which is our historic competition, community engagement. And I think very, very importantly, because it's come on leaps and bounds in 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 recent years, is women's football. Women's football is has become really big in the army. We've got core football, got two divisions in core football. Women's they have um, their their core cup final at Sirencester Town Football Club every season, um, and there's some really good things that go on in the women's game. We've got a strong committee with our women's um, game, and, and I certainly I want a, 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 an addition dedicated to women's football as well because. I want people at the end of what, listening to each of these podcasts to think, I didn't know that. I'd like to learn more about that. And if they're in the army, I want them to say, I'd like, I want to know my, I want to play for the unit or I want to know how I can get into the core team or I want to know how I can become a referee because I didn't realize the opportunities were there, but now I do. 
Well, I think that's what the aim of this whole podcast is, is for those that are serving, those for those that have served, those that know about the Army FA, and those that simply love football. So I think that's something we're going to try and cover in the months to go on. I think we're going to try and do an episode a month kind of going into this. There's one last question, and it's a question that I haven't prepared uh, I've prepared you both with, and I want to ask it at the end for every single person we get on. Steve, I'll ask you first. What is your favourite thing about being involved with Army football? I think... Having been involved in the Army Reserve for a number of years, it, it's nice to to come into an environment. First of all, I've got some I can immediately immediately help with. But I think my the thing I like the most is the opportunity to make a massive difference and improve what already is a fantastic organisation. We we are really keen and and led by Graham here to improve all aspects of what we do. Um, have more teams, more people playing, um, be better governed, have better social media um, and and make sure all the players involved have a better experience um, of playing football. And that's that's the best thing about it. It's the it's the challenge. It's the um, volume of work. It's just that opportunity to make a massive difference to this organisation. Good answer. Graham, can you beat that? Oh well, I don't know <laughs> but I, I, I mine's probably a, a simple one, really, and that is my favourite part of army football is when we've had an event or an activity or a project that's completed, so the event's finished or the match is finished or the project has been completed, mm-hmm. and we know that we've done that to the best of our ability, yeah, and we know that it's been successful, and certainly from the other side, when there's teams involved and there's or match officials or sponsors or spectators and they've come and they've enjoyed it and they've enjoyed it because of what we've been able to put on for their benefit and it's been successful. Mm. And then I think we've done a job. We've done the job well. And that only happens through the team. And we have a team, as Steve said earlier on, currently we have a team of five and everybody within here is very passionate about army football and we want to make sure that we can deliver things to the best of our ability. And if we do that and we do it well and everybody's happy, then I'm happy. Then it's a job well done. It's a job well done. Perfect. Well, for those who are interested in finding out more about the Army football, follow us on socials, uh, visit the website now. There's plenty of good stuff going on there. You can find out all about the work these guys are doing, as well as when the latest podcast is out. We're going to try and do these about once a month. But all that's left for me to say is thank you very much, guys. and look forward to the next one. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.